You're listening to Soapbox on 98.3 TWX FM. Soapbox. And it is in the hands of democratic power. And that's the whole point that's why I'm making it. Get on your soapbox. Hi guys, welcome to Soapbox on your Sunday afternoon. I'm your host, Alex. And I am your second host, Loretta. (laughs) So today we've got a pretty awesome show. We've got Elliot Costello coming on, who is the CEO of YGAP, which is the organisation which runs the Polished Man campaign, which I'm sure a lot of you have seen around on Facebook or seen your friends with a painted nail. Mm. So Loretta, do you want to explain a little bit about... So yeah, so I'm excited to hear from Elliot, um, particularly in terms of how much impact social media actually has in people's lives. So these campaigns are being run and whether or not they're actually influencing people um, and whether or not it's okay for us to click like or share a post and call that um, altruism. Yeah, call that engaging with the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Especially, it's just become such a thing these days to now upload a photo with the background um, to say, like, oh, national. I stand with Yeah, I stand with this, which is such an important thing to do and it's important to express that. But if it doesn't go any further, how effective is that? And I think that's a really interesting discussion, which we will be talking about. So please still listen in. (laughs) Here is our conversation with Elliot Costello. Thanks, guys. And you're listening to 2XX 98.3 FM. Get on your soapbox. So, today on our show, we've got Elliot Costello from the Polished Man Campaign and YGAP. How are you going? Very well, and you? Yeah, really good. Thank you. So, first, you just want to explain a bit about yourself and also what gets you on your soapbox. What gets me on my soapbox? Oh, well, um, uh, my name's Elliot, and uh, yeah, CEO of YGAP, uh, who uh, runs the Polish Man campaign. I guess what um, gets me on my soapbox is a uh, degree of apathy uh, towards social issues. I think uh, we're living in a time where we've got the capacity to do so much, um, but I, I do get frustrated at people that accept the world the way it is uh, mm-hmm. without trying to do more. Yeah, that was very, very eloquently said. Um, So talking about the Polished Man campaign, uh, we wanted you to just explain what that actually is and how the idea came to you. So the Polished Man campaign is a really movement of uh, men that are responding to the issue of violence against children. You know, we're living in a world, unfortunately, where one in five kids globally won't reach their 18th birthday without facing physical and sexual violence. Um, why men? Wow. Uh, men are responsible for most of the violence. And there's unequivocal statistics around the reality that uh, most violence perpetrated towards children is driven by men. So Polish Man is uh, about inviting men all around the world to stand up and respond to this horrifying issue of uh, kids being affected by violence. Great. And what does it actually mean to be involved in the campaign? Um, so I believe there's fundraising going on and then also the painting of the nail pole. Are the nails? Yeah, that's spot on. Good point. It is about, um, you know, first, first and foremost, uh, awareness, understanding mm-hmm. that one in five kids are affected by violence um, and um, being educated and aware of that statistic. Then it's a call to action through painting one fingernail for the month of October. 
So painting um, in any finger, in any colour with nail polish um, to support the one in five kids affected by violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then being able to um, turn that into fundraising, um, getting guys to sign up and actively commit to um, fundraising uh, to really support kids both affected by violence and kids um, who are at risk of facing violence, so both trauma recovery and trauma prevention programs. So how did this idea come to you, the idea of painting one of the nails to represent the one in five children? So the issue came... Um, to our hands uh, through an experience I had in uh, September 2013. Um, one of our project partners, Hago International, um, work in Cambodia uh, with kids affected by violence. And uh, I had the uh, wonderful pleasure of uh, working with uh, Hago International for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And uh, in September 2013, we were there um, visiting Hagar's work and inspired by all the work they do. Um, I met 21 young beneficiaries, essentially kids aged between 16, sorry, 6 to 16, who have been affected by violence. And uh, one young girl who'd uh, really gone through the most horrific human rights abuses I've ever heard of, um, picked up a texture, cut the love part in my hand, um, painted, then flipped my hand over and covered all my nails in. And so learning about her story and uh, the pain she'd endured at the hands of a, a, another Western male I uh, decided to start wearing nail polish. That's actually really interesting because I uh, went over to South America and I was working in an orphanage um, and also with kids in the local area and I experienced a girl who was domestically abused by her father. And just I hadn't realised this severity of that and so it's interesting Mm -hmm. that you've brought that experience and actually created something out of it because I obviously hadn't done anything like that. So, yeah, it's yeah, really I good mean, to see that you've I mean, done you've it. done something. You've been over there to volunteer your time and inject your skill sets. But it is difficult sometimes. You, you learn about um, the ugly side of humanity, if you like, mm. to say it politely. Um, and commonly you want to do something, but it's hard, you know. Mm. You return home and get consumed in your day-to-day life. And sometimes you, you move away from that passion of uh, wanting to respond or, or don't know how to express that passion. So... Um, look, this is one initiative we have to support kids affected by violence, um, but we, we don't work in isolation. We uh, mm. really applaud a lot of groups around the world who are doing remarkable things to support our most vulnerable uh, and precious resource, which is children. Yeah, definitely. So you have had such a large celebrity response, and that's probably how the campaign came on my radar is from seeing different celebrities around. Mm. Um, posting photos with their painted nail. How has mm. that been and has it created any challenges or has it been mostly just a positive effect? Look, it, it predominantly is positive. Um, when you're trying to build a movement uh, to create awareness and then drive fundraising um, driven by an issue of kids affected by violence, you need support. You need people to understand the realities and depth of the issue um, to stand up and do something about it. And so um, we've been successful at uh, gathering an army of wonderful ambassadors, many you might have seen on social, digital, um, on traditional media, um, who are getting behind the campaign because they believe in a world where no child is affected by violence. Um, you know, there's obviously few people that are a bit challenged by Kaisering nail polish and mm. few masculine mm. norms that are challenged uh, in that process, but... On a whole, um, it's an invitation to all men, irrespective of your social status. You don't have to be a celebrity 
at all. The mm. celebrities help promote the campaign. But this is an invitation to all men from all walks of life, cultural backgrounds, geographic location, to say enough's enough. In 2016, no child should be affected by violence. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you think that, uh, like, obviously um, donations are a large part of the campaign, but how do you think that starting the conversation with men specifically in and engaging them in the conversation will create more awareness in, like, everyday life? Yeah, it's a great question. So, I mean, when you're looking at issue of violence against children, there's a lot of uh, root causes and, um, you know, the obvious ones, drugs, alcohol, poverty, uh, certain family situations and circumstances, mm. uh, mental health issues. Um, but one is um, a culture of masculinity which needs to be challenged mm-hmm. uh, and changed. And um, we're, we're taking huge strides in the right direction, but um, we're really far away from uh, a culture that is breaking masculine norms which allows a cultural violence to exist. And what I mean by that is when men are taught to be strong, when men are taught to be leaders, when men are taught to be, not, to be nothing but protectors, it reinforces this masculine identity that you have to be stoic and strong. Now, that makes it very difficult to be able to express yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes it very difficult for men to be emotional and vulnerable at times. And when that's suppressed, unfortunately, that emotion can sometimes come out through violent means. And so... Um, Having guys uh, participate in a campaign where they paint one fingernail, and uh, which is, you know, as as we know it, uh, a feminine thing to do, mm. um, it enables guys to stop uh, and realise that uh, consciously or unconsciously, there's masculine norms that are built around us, and this challenges that masculine norm. But it also enables them to have conversations, and uh, people stop and say, "What on earth are you doing with nail polish on?" Mm. Uh, which then gets people having a conversation about violence against children and why they're participating in an important initiative like the Polish Man campaign. Yeah. Do you think that the conversation has changed? Like, have you seen changes since the Polish Man campaign started? Absolutely. So in 2013, uh, when I returned home from Cambodia, I started wearing nail polish. It was um, an interesting social experiment. A lot of people sort of, what on earth are you doing? Why, why would you wear nail polish? Mm. Um, Fast forward three years, uh, during our third campaign now in 2016, uh, we're talking about you know, tens of thousands, 58,000 people that have signed up to the campaign globally, mm-hmm. um, which we know that there'd be tens of thousands of more wearing nail polish without actually participating in the campaign and signing up. But mm-hmm. we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people that uh, are now saying, yeah, you know what, I, I believe in that issue. And I don't want to live in a world where kids are affected by violence. Um, so... It's, to a degree, normalising nail polish on men, which is a great start. I just wanted to ask about the people that aren't wearing, um, aren't actually signing up officially to the campaign. Do you see that as a problem or are you happy just to have them wear the nail polish and increase the awareness regardless of whether or not they're signing up? No, it's not a problem. Um, you know, there's an encouragement for anyone uh, anywhere to wear nail polish and mm-hmm. actively take a stand. Um, and, and identify yourself as a, as a guy that says no to violence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at, the, at its core, we prefer them to sign up so we can communicate with them, so they can understand the issue a bit better, so we can help inspire them to get active with fundraising. Um, but I wouldn't describe it as a problem. Um, you know, we had 15,000 employees last year at uh, Bunnings uh, across the nation all sign up to the campaign. Oh, sorry, mm-hmm. all paint nail polish uh, for the campaign, but uh, not 
sign up and actively fundraise. I mm-hmm. don't see it as a problem. I see it as a reinforcement that um, people want to take action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, even uh, leading up to this interview, talking to people around the ANU campus, I'd say, oh, we're interviewing Elliot Costello from the Polished Man campaign. And all these people would suddenly show me their fingers and be like, oh, no, I've got nail polish here. (laughs) And it was just, yeah, really interesting to see how many people were engaged in the conversation. And having conversations between themselves as well, like explaining to their friends why they're wearing it and also even like explaining to me why they were wearing it and justifying it to me and things like that. And it was very interesting, the conversations that were coming out of it. Yeah, definitely. Just talking about, um, do you think that it's difficult in the millennial society and in our generation to get us to engage with social issues beyond simply just a like or a share or a painting of the nail? And do you find that as a problem that you're facing in developing and fundraising? That's a great question. And um, I I wouldn't stop and say, you know, um, it's difficult, but I'd say um, it presents both an opportunity and a challenge. Um, We're living in a hyper-connected world these days where in the space of a few hours, a hypothetical example is, you know, Chris Hemsworth on, I think it was the 21st of, um, no, sorry, the 28th of uh, September when he posted a a photo with his nail polish on. Mm. You're talking about an audience of 7 million people um, within the next few hours that can understand that uh, Chris Hemsworth's a published man and what the campaign's about. Um, Yes, there'll be people that just want to like it and think that that their response, mm. um, but it also, in this hyper-connected world we're living in, provides such a platform for us to talk to millions of people in the space of seconds. Um, so the inherent challenge is to go beyond a tokenistic level of engagement to actually say, no, 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 this is meaningful, and there's more that can and should be done, um, and that's the challenge, but that challenge um, is an opportunity to have really good comms, marketing and messaging around the issue uh, to ensure it's not just something that exists on the space of an Instagram post and is never to be discussed again. Mm. So last year you did raise $374,000 and um, you said that you helped 60 impact entrepreneurs from YGAP. Could you just explain what an impact entrepreneur is? Yeah, great question. So, I mean, our model is um, predicated on finding and backing early stage um, impact ventures in some of the world's toughest communities. Okay. So um, we call the leaders of these ventures impact entrepreneurs. Now, um, it's essentially a person working on uh, impact venture. So okay. um, you can call them social entrepreneurs or change makers or local leaders. Um, it's just someone that's putting their hand up to fight poverty in their community. What are they? Um, what sort of ventures are we talking about here? Like, is it just small businesses in communities that are impoverished, or are they um, educational services? Great question. So we have, um, when addressing an issue like poverty, um, we have a multi-pronged approach. So there are four key pillars that we focus on. Um, first and foremost is education, knowing getting kids in school is a great and probably the best way mm-hmm. of reducing the cycle of poverty. Uh, secondly is healthcare. Um, focusing on access to quality healthcare is such an important measure to ensuring that uh, people can break the cycle of poverty. Uh, and under that sits um preventable disease and violence, where we see a lot of issues related to violence. The third is um, providing quality homes and housing. Uh, we know mm-hmm. that if you can get people in roof over their head, um, some form of lighting so the kids can do homework, uh, access to clean water, basic nutritional things that enable people to live a healthy lifestyle, mm-hmm. uh, helps 
break the cycle of poverty. And fourth, and fourth is uh, job creation. And we know very well in certain communities where we work, where 60, 70, sometimes 75% of people can be unemployed. If you can get parents into the employment system actively working, you're going to reduce the risk of violence, but you're also going to uh, reduce the cycle of poverty and ensure that kids can then attend school, not be stripped out of school to try and find a job to support their family. Yeah, definitely. And with the impact entrepreneurs, are they local entrepreneurs or are you finding these entrepreneurs who have developed these local businesses or ideas and then applying them to certain areas? No, always locally driven, locally yeah. run. Mm-hmm. So our whole model is focused on how do we find and back local leaders, as we call them, local impact entrepreneurs in some of the world's toughest communities. Um, really passionate about our belief in local people having the answer to local problems and we exist to, uh, to facilitate part of their solution. Yeah. A lot of the money is being um, sent outside of Australia. What um, drove the decision? Was was it coming back to that first encounter that you had that maybe made you decide that much of the funding that you were raising was going to be sent overseas? Well, look, um, I'm a big believer that we live in a, a global community. Absolutely, and as a yeah. global citizen, as a global citizen, I'm as passionate about issues uh, centred on poverty in Africa and Asia as I am in Australia too. Mm-hmm. So we have four key programs in South Africa, Kenya, Bangladesh and Australia. Um, passionate about solving local problems in Australia too. But what we find and why significant focus uh, for us does sit across Africa and Asia is because um, a lot of these places, there's not the support system. There's yeah. not mm. the degree of a welfare system like we have in Australia. Mm. Um, there's often a significant break in uh, the employment uh, structure. So people can't get access to jobs. There's less funding available for educational institutions. And individuals shouldn't suffer because a country has less natural resources than another country or because a former Mm. leader had certain issues with corruption and governance problems. Uh, And so at the heart, we work in some really tough communities because we fundamentally believe that uh, people deserve to not live on less than $1.25 a day. Mm. and uh, should have access to their fundamental human rights to be human beings. Um, Yeah, that's really interesting. Just going back to what you said earlier about your trip to Cambodia and how a lot of the entrepreneurs that you work with are local and you're trying to develop these local communities from the ground up, uh, what is your opinion of volunteerism and people from Australia, the UK and the United States going overseas and helping? It's a great question. Um, look, there's a, a great um, positive aspect of uh, volunteers being highly motivated, passionate uh, global citizens that want to spend their time overseas and importantly share their skill sets mm-hmm. um, and can add a lot of benefit to organisations, mixed with a degree of risk. Um, you know, it's that altruism versus self-interest um, discussion. You know, how how beneficial is it for the organisation? Uh, for another volunteer to come join the crusade. Um, and yeah. what we find in certain orphanages is, you know, it can be dangerous at times because kids do get attached to volunteers, do mm-hmm. get attached to people. Uh, and after two, three, four weeks they, and they leave, um, it can have a negative effect on children who have, at times have been abandoned by their parents and feel abandoned again. They don't understand why another person's left them. Yeah. So it, we, we don't do volunteer international programs. Um, we're proud not to. Mm. Um, we, we, YGAP started in 2008 because uh, we 
saw a gap in the market around supporting mm-hmm. local-based development groups. Um, we have been to the field a number of times. Um, it just needs to be met with pragmatism. You know, where is someone from Melbourne, Victoria, or Sydney, or Perth, or anywhere around the country? Where are they required in the field, and why are they required? And we only say they're required if there's a skill set missing from a local leader to provide a solution to the problem. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. It just seems like you've had such an upward trajectory over the past few years. So what, is, what do you plan for the future? What do you see the polished man and why gap to be in five years? So we've set a pretty clear objective that by mid-2018, so two years from now, that yep. uh, y Gap, the parent company, the non-profit running the polished man campaign, wants to improve a million lives living in poverty. Wow. And uh, we've got a very clear objective of how we want to bring a million people out of poverty through education, healthcare, job creation, and good housing. Um, and we're really strict with how we measure our impact too. Yeah, I was going to say, how do you measure it? Look, it's it's all detailed on our website at uh, ygap.com.au. Um, Virgin Unite, Virgin's brand have um, said that we're one of the best ways that they've ever seen in the world of measuring impact. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, giving a child a backpack, backpack and wishing them a good day at school is not a life improved. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about giving a child access to both primary and secondary education as one life improved. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, we don't measure the secondary and tertiary benefits. We're looking at primary benefits of taking a life, one person's life, and ensuring that they're now out of poverty. Um, so our very clear goal is to improve a million lives by mid-2018. And... Uh, we're keen as a team. We've all secured ourselves for the next two years to work hard to achieve that. Uh, post that, we haven't sat down and done five, ten, twenty-year plans for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, we know we need to raise a couple of million dollars to achieve this objective. We've got a phenomenal impact team. We're working hard to achieve this objective. Then we'll sit back and be able to reassess. Great, it's a million lives improved. There's still a billion people living in poverty. What are we going to do? Um, with the support of amazing other organisations in the sector mm-hmm. to improve more people's lives. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's all the questions that we have today, Elliot. Thank you so much for joining us. It's actually been very, very insightful and I've really appreciated you coming on and just speaking about the importance of you know, being a social and global leader um, in your community. That's my pleasure. Thanks for having me and... No worries. Yeah, Thank you so much, Elliot. Have a great afternoon. Thanks again. Yeah, guys. you, you too. too. See ya. Bye.